Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with Bob Conley, Chairman and CEO of Lockton Northeast Region. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Carl. So, so Bob, uh, you know, runs um, a d- division of Lockton. It's an insurance company. So essentially, he sells insurance. But the one thing I want to say about Bob, I've known him for many years, is is if I'm looking to get to a board of director or a CFO or a general counsel, the one guy I know that if I reach out to him, Bob will always have that contact and, and we'll be in with those guys. And I, I don't know how in the world somebody who's selling insurance and there's you know, thousands of people that sell insurance get to know the people that you know. How, how do you do that? So it's a, it's, a, it's a great question, Carl. I mean, I think um, our business, like a lot of other professional service firms, are arguably a commodity. Um, so I've always tried to differentiate in terms of uh, sort of really at the end of the day, uh, being detached and, and putting the client's best interest first. Um, at the end of the day, all you, have, all you have to sell in life is really your, your reputation. And so we, I try to come in it through the lens of helping clients solve business problems first, understanding their industry, understanding their business plan, understanding kind of where they're headed. To me, that context is critical for us to do our job. Um, and I think we really try to become more of a trusted business advisor and less of a, of a, of a vendor, if you will. Um, I found that that approach over time um, has generated lots of opportunities. And that can be, doesn't have to be insurance, it could be sourcing a board member or sourcing somebody else for the C-suite or sourcing an M&A deal or introducing um, you and your team. Um, so kind of depends on where they are in their trajectory. And, um, you know, again, that's it's sort of where our focus is. I think the other thing is, is really trying to specialize in, in, in a couple of different industries. So a lot of, a lot of that Rolodex that you spoke of is really in the tech community or in the, uh, in the government contracting space and around DC, but also built out some networks in real estate and in financial institutions. And frankly, each of those ecosystems is pretty small. And um, you can kind of get a sense of who the players are, um, which companies are up and coming, and, and where ultimately, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're spending time in that space, you can already get a sense of what their issues might be as that company continues to grow. All right, so you got a, a marketing degree from University of Maryland, right? And, and I take it, we, we all started, you know, kind of the same place. You get your degree and, and you, you go out. I don't even know how you make it the bridge from, from getting a marketing degree to becoming an insurance guy. So for, for the young people listening and, and wondering, how do, I, how do I do what he does? If you could touch on that, then I want to ask you some more questions about how you do what you do. Sure. I mean, so I was, uh, I was going to go to law school. I spent uh, two years on the Hill before I stumbled into the insurance business. I uh, fell in love with it. I and mean, what I like about it is, again, you really need to understand that company's business first before you can actually do a good job. And I was fortunate in my early 20s to work at a firm where I had some great mentors. Um, you know, um, I was always intellectually curious, wanting to learn about those businesses. And, and again, I think whether you're wearing a, a, a law firm hat or an accounting hat or a banking hat, um, t- to some extent, the, the business challenges are similar. It's just that what we're selling is a little bit different. So um, in my 20s, it, when I stumbled in the insurance business, I really tried to become an expert in my craft first and not just be a generalist. And at the time, it was really specializing in insuring directors and officers. Um, and it's a business that will get you into the C-suite. It's a business that will get you in front of private equity. 
And if you understand the technical issues and the legal issues that come with that, then later on in my career, as that network began to mature and develop, I could always, and still even to this day, fall back on, on technical issues, whether it's related to public company issues or IPOs or M&A or SPACs or whatever's happening in that ecosystem. But again, be, being a subject matter expert in something, I think is critical. Okay, so I, I think of insurance kind of like an audit, right? I sold audits for a while and everybody needs one, but nobody wants to be sold one, right? Right. <laughs> so, so somehow you've made it, you know, you've made yourself valuable, a valuable person to know uh, beyond the fact that you, you sell insurance. And so when you go out and say you, you, you see, you know, so-and-so CEO of, of name your company out there, big, big company, you know, either private equity back or going public and you want to get to know that guy or gal. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you make the approach? So again, it kind of depends because each, I always say it's, it's uh, I believe in rifle shots, not, not shotguns. And um, I, I, I'm probably a little more deliberate on that approach. I probably spend more time understanding the company, who's backing them, what their issues might be, what's their risk profile look like. Um, so we just did an IPO for a FinTech, right? And that IPO, you know, the FinTech space is different than I've got another client that's a life science company in terms of how the public markets may treat each of those and therefore what that risk profile might be. And then I'll take a look at the board and the management team and really start to understand, okay, our buyer tends to be general counsel or CFO. Um, and then I'll take a look and try to get a sense of, okay, am I connected to anybody there through LinkedIn and other social media platforms? And can I get a soft intro? Um, and that's basically it. I mean, it, you know, but when I was younger, candidly, I was probably making more cold calls. So part of it depends too, I think for some of the younger folks is not being afraid to pick up the phone, but you need to know what you're gonna say and how you're gonna say it. And going back to my rifle shot comment, what value are you bringing to that conversation? And you probably have about 30 seconds to articulate. But as I got older, the network matured, you know, in my late thirties, early forties, and now, now in my early fifties, it's definitely easier to sort of take a look and see, you know, am I, do I have any connections to that company? and maybe asking for a soft intro. Um, but even today, occasionally I'll still pick up the phone and make a cold call. Yeah, so I remember one time I was going to meet the CFO of a, a venture-backed company in New York. And I've been doing this a long time like you, you know? And, and I remember, I remember this is the first time I got nervous in a long time to go meet this guy because he had already, they'd already raised a whole bunch of venture capital that I, I didn't know any, you know, my shtick is I, I help companies raise capital. I help them connect with CFOs and general counsels and, and, you know, value added connections. And I, I couldn't think of anything I could do for this guy. And so right. I, I, I sat down with him and I had, like you said, you had a few minutes in his office and, and, and I actually had butterflies and, and I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to say to this guy, you know? And, uh, and I remember, um, so he came from investment banking, Bob, and, and he, um, and to get from being an investment banker to a CFO of a company, he had to network his butt off to get that job. Right. And, and so he was really into what I did and it ended up being a great meeting. You know, I sat down with him and he's he's like, who's on your, who's on your target list? Who, you know, who, you, who have you been meeting with? And, and I just pulled out my pipeline and started going through it with him. And he's like, oh, I'll connect you there. I'll connect you there. And, and we ended up doing their IPO. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So, you know, you, you just, you never know. I, have you ever had any like that where you, where you actually, even though you're, you know, you're the guy, you're getting oh, nervous? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes too, I think sometimes people have the perception 
we have the meeting that I'm going to come in and sell them something. And so, so already their defense mechanisms are sort of up and they're waiting for the pitch. I don't really have a pitch other than what I just said. And I think that sometimes it's sort of disarming and I'm really legitimately there just to sort of build a relationship and rapport. And whether, whether that turns into something next month or three years from now, that's okay. And so I think to some extent, you know, they're, they're, some, some people aren't really ready for that. They're waiting for the hard sell. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I don't, I don't really have a hard sell. Yeah. Um, and, and I find that, that that approach actually attracts the client, the kind of clients you want. And to, to be candid, there are other, there's other buyers out there that they're just looking to spreadsheet you against everybody else. Those are not the folks that, that I want to do business with. So sometimes when you're in those meetings, you kind of find those people. And um, you realize pretty quickly that it's just a, it's just an exercise and not really interested in building long-term relationship. Yeah. That's funny. You mentioned that. I think a lot of the young, young folks coming out and just starting out, they're out trying to get the quick sale. And, and I do the right. same thing. I do the same thing you do. I, I, I don't sell. Right. I mean, I, right. when I go out, I meet with somebody, I, I try to figure out what I could do to help that other person accomplish their business objectives. And, right. and then they, then they like me and then they want to work with us. And, and just like, you know, insurance, everybody needs insurance, right? Everybody needs a law firm. They have lots of legal needs over time. And, and eventually that relationship grows into, you know, uh, you know, and usually when I introduce them to a, a lawyer here, it's like, oh, you know who you need to talk to, to help you with this, with this business issue that you're dealing with. It's not because right. I want to sell them a lawyer. It's like, I got a guy who focuses on fintech. He's the guy, right. you got to talk to him. He knows everybody in the, in, in that industry. And then it naturally evolves right. into them working together. I mean, my, my mindset is I know I got to sell something three years from now. I may as well be this person, right? So I'm, real, I'm not in a hurry for, I mean, our sales cycles are long like yours. It can take six to 12 months. Um, but my, my mindset is I want to get one new meeting a week with somebody we've never talked to. So if I meet with 50 companies over the next year, we'll probably swing about on 20 of them and we'll close 10. That math for me hasn't changed in 20 years. And I know each industry is a little bit different, clearly, but that, that, those are metrics that are fairly straightforward in our space. And, and um, so, it's, and again, just starting those conversations and, you know, it could be, I mean, I've got one coming up tomorrow, ironically, on a relationship that I started talking to four years ago, and it's a CFO at a life science company. He's at his third company, and he's finally ready to do some business. And it's because I've been giving him advice and supporting him. And sometimes, you know, sometimes there's politics at play and he can't pull the trigger. And other times, you know, there's an incumbent that's doing a good job. But he landed at a company and the incumbent is really struggling. And he called me and said, we need some help. So I think, again, if you have that long-term perspective and have their best interest in, in mind, over time, you'll be incredibly successful. And do you find sometimes you do favors for some of these people and you cultivate the relationship and they're never in a position to hire you, but they refer you other business? Oh yeah, that happens. Um, and again, I think um, it's it's all about detachment and really doing what's best. It, it, occasionally, it's just not a good fit, um, but you're still there to help them, and you don't know where paths will cross. And occasionally, sometimes, you know, some people will take advantage of of, of your uh, of your approach. But I still feel like, in the long run, it actually it actually what I love about sales, I can actually it actually attract the kind of clients I want to do business with and have some fun with. Yeah, so I, I'm always hesitant to hit you up for an introduction because I know I'm asking you to expend capital, you know, capital in that relationship. And so I know it's, you know, it's a big ask when I ask you, you know, hey, Bob, you know, this guy, this, this general counsel, this company that's about to go public, 
and and yet every time I reach out, which isn't that often, right? I don't I don't bother right. that much. But if I reach out, you always get me to that person, and and so you've got so much trust in these relationships. It's like, all right, this guy, last thing he needs to do is know another representative from a law firm, right? I'm sure he's been pitched by ten law firms already, but they take your recommendation, and they always take the meeting. And how is it that you get that kind of trust to get them to do something they may not even want to do? So I'm pretty protective of my network, meaning I'll only refer people that are really confident because ultimately it's a reflection on, on me, right? So yep. I really try to align myself in the business community with people that really know their stuff. Um, and so not only are they technically sound, going back to my earlier comment, but they can also help them in the, in the business community. And, and clearly you're one of those guys. So. Um, it's an easy thing for me to do, but I've also been pretty vigilant about protecting it and have, because you know, I'll get calls from other folks I don't know as well, asking for those kinds of introductions. And, you know, I go slow with those because, you know, if you, if you refer somebody in and they don't know what they do, it can blow up on you. Um, and sometimes I'll just pick it up and say, hey, look, I think it's worth your while. I'm sure you're happy with who you're working with. This is somebody I trust. Why don't you give them 15 minutes? And in most cases, people will respond very well to that. And do you do, do you always do the double opt-in, right? Where you, you know, like I want, I want this introduction, but does he want to know me? Do you always check first? Um, sometimes I will. Sometimes I'll pick up the phone. If it's, if it's a really tight personal business relationship and I can send a quick email, I'll do that. But usually I'll call and give them a heads up. So there's context to the introduction. Yeah. I'm not just sending a blind note. And I'll, and, and, and again, I'm also the type of person that, doesn't do it a lot for the same company, right? So I'm not bombarding them with, or you know, here's here's a guy selling legal services, here's somebody selling real estate services, here's somebody selling audit services. So, you know, I'm pretty judicious to make sure it's the right fit. Yeah, uh, and and I appreciate that. So so last last question, uh, we're coming up on our time here. So if there's a young you know man or woman who's maybe a a marketing major at University of Maryland and they're listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube and they're like, oh. You know, they have no idea what they're going to do with their life. And they see, they see you or they hear you and say, I want to do what he does. That sounds like fun. What advice do you have for them? Um, I mean, it's gonna, I'm sure they've heard this before, but, um, you know, I always believe in the culture of the firm first. So get, get into a company where, you know, um, it's going to be supportive of sort of a long-term approach to, uh, to talent development. Uh, be in a firm where you can have the kind of mentors and support and training, um, particularly in your 20s, that they're super, super critical. Um, but also at the end of the day, I think particularly in, in the current environment, um, and I'm really seeing it now, is try to put yourself in an industry where that's going to be relevant, A, and B, if you can drive revenue in an organization, you're always going to be wanted. Um, and that was where I sort of made the shift from sort of a line broker, if you will, into on the business development side, because um, companies are always looking for that kind of talent. And then I would say, while you're doing that, I mean, what I did in my 20s, I sort of had my day job holding a broker desk, but I started selling on the side, started going out at night on the side just to sort of see, can I do it? Do I like it? And started to nurture that network a little bit. And then, um, you know, got a taste for it and I was ready to, ready to go. But that probably took, honestly, I was 23. 22 when I started and I really it probably took a good five years um, so you know patience is also something that I think is important it will be rewarded well Bob Conley chairman and CEO of Lockton's Northeast region thank you for joining us today I appreciate it thanks Carl
All right, take care. You have been listening to Brain Makers with Carl Grant. Grant.